So your assignment was, those of you who weren't here, let me repeat the assignment. Your assignment was to take a blank copy of the proclamation and look at it with a fresh set of eyes. This entire class is built on that single piece of paper. Now, can you imagine the depth of discussion that went into creating that? Let me just give you one example. For me, one of the central pieces of the proclamation are these nine principles. I think this is in the second column, right in the large paragraph, right in the middle. It says, successful marriages and families are established and maintained on, and then it lists nine principles. Now, can you imagine the discussion they went through to come up with the nine? Why nine? Could it have been 10? Did it drop down to five? Was it 20 at some point? You've all done collaborative work, right? Every single one of you have had an assignment where you have to collaborate and write something as a group. You hate it, don't you? I absolutely hate writing as a group because what happens? You spend so much time doing what? Discussing about one particular word, or I want to say it this way, or no, I disagree. Can you imagine how many people put this document together? 15. Do you know them well enough to know that they're kind of passive personalities or do they have strong personalities? Do they all see eye to eye in the same way? So what's it going to take to get 15 strong personalities to agree on a list of what principles are essential to make family work? I can't even imagine the debate, the discussion that went into that sentence alone. Because I can think of principles they didn't include. And I can think of a couple of those words I probably would not have included at first thought. And so my point is how much effort went into this document? There was a hand. Go ahead. Oh, um, sorry. Um, my mom is the state camp director this year. And so she's in charge of organizing this huge event. And they were talking as a council. And they actually brought up so someone is related to one of the general authorities and said that they spend like on these major documents like months to years perfecting like phrases of should we say in or on um and the purpose that they do that for is to glorify god yeah i just think that's so cool that they literally spend years to perfect this document so that it is complete doctrine yeah and that it is exactly what god would have us read now let me let me use that very statement and say if it took them that long to get the document right how much effort should we put into studying that document okay so your assignment if you have already done it great if you haven't then take the assignment today we're going to do this as a group, but I'd like you to do it individually. Take that single piece of paper. This entire class is built on that single piece of paper and read it with a fresh set of eyes. Knowing the effort that went into producing it, knowing the fact that they, those 15 prophets, seers, and revelators designed four classes that everyone has to take in order to get a degree sponsored by the church, 
And one of those four classes is built on that single piece of paper. So those of you who've done the assignment, tell me what you've seen. Looking at the proclamation, just your aha moments. And if, even if you haven't done this recently, what was your biggest aha moment in, your, in the past as you've read the proclamation? Anyone want to share? Tell me what you found, please. Um, sorry, I'm speaking. Um, but I read, I pronounced the name like you said, and I decided to highlight um, like Jesus Christ or Creator or God, and it's mentioned a lot. Like He is in this document, and so it kind of just stood out to me like the the like the way to have a successful marriage and family is to have it based on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And him be and included in that triangle of the covenant that we make with Great insight. There is a foundation. Now, we're going to spend some time on that today. Thank you. Any others? Any other insights that you've kind of gained as you've looked at the proclamation? Katie? Um, there's a lot. I think this last week, one of the little more specific things I looked into is um, the word heritage. It's used in the sentence, children are inherited to the Lord. And it's really simple and small. But I kind of dove into that meaning, and in part I kind of got heritage. We associate it a lot with pioneers, but it talked about how it's something that's passed down, and our children are passed down directly from God. They are His, and He gives them to us, and that is really that different. Yeah, that's a significant word. I remember that caught my attention significantly in one of my readings. Thank you. Any others? I love. Or Yeah. I love looking at this as prophets, seers, and revelators defending God's most precious and most vulnerable. I read that one of the ways to read this document is they are declaring warnings and prophecies and skill sets to protect Heavenly Father's most vulnerable. Come on in, Abby. That's a great reading. You, I can hear Heavenly Father saying, protect my most vulnerable. If you, last year in Come Follow Me in the Old Testament, did you notice how many times he was referred to as the God of widows and orphans? Came up so many times in the Old Testament that God is the God of widows and orphans. And this document really is a defense of the most vulnerable of Heavenly Father's children and our duties towards them. Do you see the depth? It is so multifaceted. There are so many faces to this document. So where do we begin? I want to begin, 
I love in the first paragraph, if you, if you circled a word in the first paragraph, what word did you circle? What word stands out in the first paragraph? Should I zoom in? What would you say is, that is a significant word? James? I'd say central. Central. I wish I could draw here. The family is central. Name any organization that will last in eternity besides the family. Will the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles last for eternity? Will the First Presidency last for eternity? Will your stake presidency last for eternity? I hope not. Yeah. Do- <laughs> Do cars. What stays in this class, what is said in this class, stays in this class. But what is central to God's plan? Family. So what I want to do is I want to build on that concept that family is central. And I want to ask, how many families do you have that are central to your life. Allow me to suggest at least three. Three families that you need to focus on and make central. So let me see if I can show you a pattern. I am a pattern hunter. I watch for patterns. I notice patterns. They catch my attention. So let me show you a fascinating pattern I saw once. Let's talk about this process of birth. Now, let's start with the birth we know best. And when you look at the process of birth, because family and birth goes hand in hand, right? How did all of you enter your first earthly family? Through birth. You were born into a family. So let's talk about that process. When we talk about an earthly birth, it's something that already exists, added to something created. We we create something and we take something that already exists and we put them together. That's birth. And then the something that's created usually comes with helpers that assist you into that new life. It usually comes with a mom and a dad. So in my birth, what was it that already existed? What already existed and wasn't created? My spirit. My spirit did not start when I was born. My body, let me give myself a space. Let me redo this. So my spirit already existed. My physical body was created. And that was created by a mother and a father who then become shepherds, stewards, helpers of this whole process. And that's how I became a mortal being, right? My spirit already existed. My body was created. And I was born. Now, there's no, I was very vulnerable in that moment. And so they become stewards and helpers and overseers and parents. 
to help me into this new life. You see that pattern? Now, here's what's fascinating. Let's go back one step. This time, the spirit is the end product. How was my spirit made? Now, very, very deep doctrine. We will not go into this today. But there was a part of my spirit that already existed. Now, we don't have a great word for it, and the Lord barely mentions it in scriptures. We just have one word. We don't know what this is. But what was it that already existed? The word we use is intelligence. Now, is that a single entity? Were we a group? We don't know. But my intelligence existed before I became a spirit. And then what was added? A spirit body was created. Now, for a one brief moment, I was a spirit infant, a spirit child. Very vulnerable in that existence, wasn't it? Alone, scared, I couldn't have made it. And so, who became my helpers? A mother and a father. I was born into that family. I have a heavenly mother. I have a heavenly father. For one brief moment, I was their infant child. I am positive they rocked me to sleep and read me stories and calmed me when I was crying. I know their faces like my children know mine. I am as infinitely connected to heavenly parents as I am to my mortal parents and my children are to me. I know them. I am their child. That has to come into consideration when we say the word family. I am a member of that family. And however broken this one might be, however, I don't know if you have a father or a mother that has hurt you and caused you pain, however broken this family might be, this one is not. You have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, and you were born. That all of a sudden makes two families. And I may be isolated from this one. I will never be isolated from this one. The very core of my identity isn't that I am Brother Dunford. It's not Dunford. That's this family. The core of my identity is this family. I am their son. And he is king and she is queen, which makes me an heir to the throne. That's family number one. Don't ever in your mind or in your heart separate yourself from family number one. I am a part of that eternal family. 
And if she has not been gentle in your life, she is. And you have a mother. And if you do have a loving mother, how many of you just have an incredible mother that has just been your best friend for, mo- for your life? Then you know more about Heavenly Mother than anyone could tell you in the Scriptures. You know. How involved is your mother in your life? How involved is Heavenly Mother in our lives? Does she hear every single prayer? Is she involved in every single answer to every single prayer? I know that because why? Because I know how mothers are. I know how mothers are. And I know it's appropriate to say Heavenly Father. But I also know what? Every time I say Heavenly Father, I know she's probably the first one listening. And when I'm in pain, she probably hurts the most. I have a theory. When Jesus was in Gethsemane in absolute agony, an angel came to comfort him. I've pondered a lot who was that angel. One of the apostles suggested it was probably Adam who brought us into mortality and was there comforting Jesus. You want to know who I think it was? Heavenly Mother. Watching her son in agony and couldn't stand it and was there to comfort him. I know mothers and I know her. I don't need scriptures. I don't need a lack of scriptures to tell me about her because I know mothers in this life and the best of motherhood tells me everything I need to know about her and how involved she is. So I love that line in hymn 2.12. I have learned to call thee father. But until the key of knowledge was revealed, I didn't understand why. In the heavens are parents single. No, the thought makes reason stare. Truth is reason, truth eternal tells me I have a mother there. So allow me to suggest before we ever start talking about this family, you need to understand what it means to you to be part of this family. He is my father and she is my mother. And they are omnipotent beings. I think there's some dignity that I need to remember. Family is central to the plan of salvation. And that family is central to the plan of salvation. identity not one of them was Russell and Nelson it was I am a, a child of heavenly parents and I can't remember the three and it didn't make it you're about to see part of it that's, that's, like the very first thing is I'm a child of God I you know heavenly parents with it the big young woman's theme I'm a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with the divine nature and eternal destiny yeah there's nothing in there about my earthly family and don't get me wrong they're there to help me with that but like that is the thing they've been emphasizing that a lot lately yep 
our, our eternal identity is so much more important than anything we have here on earth. Yep. I love that. So what if we reread the proclamation as that family? It would change how you viewed it. When we read that children have certain rights, Heavenly Father is saying, this is what I grant my children in my family. So let me, folk, let me just draw your attention to this family. So there's one, right? My, my intelligence always existed. They gave birth to my body. I'd like to know how Heavenly Mother's do that. Was I in her womb for a certain period of time? I've pondered that a lot. Did she carry me in her womb like modern day mothers? The pattern would say what? The pattern would say yes, that for one brief moment she was pregnant with me and carried me and then gave birth to me. However that process happened, I am their child and eternally connected to that family. Now, we talked about this one. Now, this is all sets of, sometimes I have a family where Jetty and Tracy are this one and I'm the child. And then I belong to another family where I'm the father and Jennifer's the mother and these are my children. So there's lots of these as a pattern of this one. But let me throw one more at you. Is this our goal? Is this the final goal to become mortal beings? Have we arrived at our destination? So I would suggest we have one more family. So now let's take the mortal body that I am, and that's the part that already exists. What do I need to add to this physical body to make it the end product I want it to be. Okay, I think that's definitely part of it. I need an atonement. What's going to fix this? What's going to make this what it should be? An atonement. Now, are there covenants involved in atonement? Yes. Are there... Are there scriptures involved in atonement and truth and institute classes? All of that. But I need an atonement. So we're going to take this physical body, add an atonement, and what will I become? What do I have the potential of becoming? A resurrected, glorified, celestial being. I'm just going to write celestial. Now, I know not all of them will be celestial, but that's where I would like to go. A glorified celestial being. So if the pattern holds true, if we just look at the pattern, you take something that already exists, you add something created, and then you begin helpers. Who then are the helpers here? Christ is certainly one of them. Now, the beauty of this one is he is both the mother and the father at different times. Who is his partner? In all the scriptures, who's Jesus married to? In the symbolism of all the scriptures, who is the Savior's wife? The church. 
there's my other family. This is a very real family. Let me show a couple of scriptures. Turn to Mosiah chapter 5, verse 7. One of the truths restored by the Book of Mormon that has been completely lost in the Bible is this truth. Mosiah 5, 7. Who will read it? And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. Don't you see the same pattern? I am born to Christ. Like I was born to Jeddy and Tracy, like I was born to Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. I was born to Christ. He is my father in a very real sense. And his bride, his wife, is mother. Now let me show you a fascinating little scriptural insight. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. Now, if you've got electronic scriptures, this will be a little bit fat. Anyone with print? Okay, we all have electronic. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 is a JST change that takes you to an entire chapter. Tap on that link and open up the Joseph Smith change. Revelation 12, verse 1. In the footnote of verse 1, you'll see a Joseph Smith change. Here, I'll do it with you. Yeah. Okay, so here's my New Testament. I'm going to go to Revelation. You go to chapter 12, and then you reveal your, your content. And then in 1A, tap on that and then open it up as its own page. All right. John saw a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon was under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Allow me to suggest that woman is her. This is the bride of Christ. Now, what do we know? Who do we know the woman is? Go down to verse 7. Joseph Smith, this is why we need the JST. Joseph Smith adds what? The woman was the church of God. Now, that's a very common theme. In the Old Testament, one of the prophets was invited to go out and marry a prostitute. Symbolically suggesting that Christ's bride has done what? Cheated on him. Every time the church went astray from Christ, it was like a wife cheating on her faithful husband. But here is the faithful woman. Here is the church in all her glory. What is she clothed in? What does the church wear as her clothing? Light. The church is clothed in light. In almost every type of form, light that generates itself, light that is reflected. The church is wrapped in, in, in light. Now look at verse 2. Tell me what you know about this woman. She's pregnant. This woman is pregnant. 
Now, we can look at this in many ways. We could say that child is the collective child of Jesus and the church. That child is Zion. And that's kind of where this one goes. Look at verse 3. The, the child as a collection is a man-child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And the child was caught up to the throne of God. There's Zion. But in another way of looking at that, who's the child that Jesus and the church are trying to give birth to? Me. I am their child. I am the product of another family. And they are my parents. And they are trying to get me to hear. And I am that child she's trying to give birth to. And I can see myself as their children. So here's a fascinating thing. If you've never noticed this, if you've ever looked at the Salt Lake Temple, let me show you an interesting... I've tried to zoom in. This is hard to get all in one shot. But guess what you're going to see on the Salt Lake Temple? Suns? Moons and stars. There they are right there. Do you see them? Right there. Now, I know if I were to say there's a sun, moon, and star on the Salt Lake Temple and ask why. Why is there a sun, moon, and star on the Salt Lake Temple? I know the first thought's going to be kingdoms of glory, right? We go through a telestial room. We go through a terrestrial room. We're trying to get into a celestial room, which is a celestial kingdom. And I get that, but if you look at it, there's something wrong. This is the moon. Those are the sun, and the stars are up there. The order's wrong. It goes star, sun, moon. That's not the kingdoms of glory. The stars aren't at the top. Now, if you look at the Nauvoo Temple, it's even more pronounced than the Salt Lake Temple. Here's the Nauvoo Temple. Let's start big. Does everyone see the moon? There's the moonstone. Let me show you the moonstone. There's the moonstone at the bottom of the Nauvoo Temple. Where's the sunstone? Right here. And what's above the sun? Stars. The order's wrong. If that was pointing to kingdoms of glory, we got the order wrong. It's stars, sun, moon. Well, where in the scriptures is it stars at the top, moon in the sun in the middle, and moon at the bottom? Go to back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. What is the woman wearing? She's clothed in the sun in the middle. She's standing on the moon and on her head. In other words, this is the woman. This is my mother. She and the atoner are trying to give birth to me into their family. 
I need to be a part of that family as much as I'm a part of this family and this family. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Can this family last for eternity if I don't belong to this family? This family will have limitations in the eternities if I don't belong to this family. Everything we talk about in this class, let me just expand your horizon, your vision. When I say the eternal family, it's not probably what you were thinking about when you walked into this class. It's the eternal family. I belong to heavenly parents and I can communicate with them. I have a right. Isn't it interesting that says children have rights? Do I have rights when it comes to my heavenly parents? Do I have a right to their love and their attention and their concern? Therefore, I can testify to you that they are involved in my life. I believe Heavenly Mother hears every single one of my prayers. And she is involved in my life. And the same thing is I have rights here. But what about this one? Do I have rights as a child of Jesus? Do I have rights as a child of the church and the covenant? So two of my identities were, so heavenly, my, one of my identities that President Nelson mentioned is children of divine parents, children of the covenant, and children of Abraham and the responsibility of the covenant. All of that is the eternal family to which I belong. And I know I, we limit ourselves if this class is a discussion only about earthly husbands and wives and children. You mentioned that Jesus is written all over the proclamation because why? He is the parent. So this paragraph right here talks about, I'm going to use mine because I can jump right to my notes. Look at this paragraph right here. Fathers do this and mothers do this. Now Jesus is which one? The beauty of this one in the scriptures, Jesus is both father and mother. In what sense, okay, I'm going to take two minutes. In what sense is Jesus my mother? Can I show you that one? Let me just take two minutes and show you Jesus as my mother. All right, turn to Moses chapter five, six, Moses six. Jesus as my mother. Let me pull this one up. This is a beautiful little insight to say, oh, Jesus is my mother. Like sometimes he's mom and sometimes he's dad. All right, Pearl of Great Price, Moses chapter 6, verse 59, or it's 7. It's 7, isn't it? I always get this wrong. It's 7. Moses 7. Nope. 
It's six. Moses 6, 59. Moses 6 and Moses 7. Moses 6, 59. Ready? Anyone want to read it? Beautiful scripture here. That by reason of transgression cometh the fall, which fall bringeth death. And inasmuch as you were born into the world by water, whose water was associated with me being born into the world? My mother. And blood, whose blood was shed to bring me into this world? My mother and the spirit. My spirit entering that body through her water, her blood, I was born into the world. Even so, you became of, of dust a living soul. Even so, you must be born again into the kingdom of heaven by water. I once again need to be enclosed in water. Now, whose water is that? Whose water... Whose water am I enclosed in? When I join the church, that's that's my mother's what womb, and I come out of her womb, born into her family. So in that sense, the church is mom. But in the next sense, I'm born again through water and spirit. That's the Holy Ghost and cleansed by whose blood this time? So in the symbolism, both of them are mother and both of them are father. The church is my mother in that that's the womb I came through to be born into their family but whose blood was shed so that I could be born into that family. So Jesus is mother and father. The church is mother and father. I, they they t- together are giving birth to my salvation. Therefore, going back to the proclamation, tell me what Jesus is going to do in your life. What is he going to do in your life? He's going to preside, provide, and protect. I know that he will ever be faithful to provide and protect. And Jesus as mother is going to do what? Nurture. So I am part of something incredible here. Unless you think the only thing we're going to talk about is how to be married to an earthly person and make that work, you've missed the eternal family. Three things are happening simultaneously. I have eternal parents. What's Heavenly Father doing? What is Heavenly Father doing in my life? Presiding? Providing and protecting. And what is Heavenly Mother doing in my life? She's nurturing. And then I was born into this world and now I'm the dad. So what is my greatest responsibility for the children I have taken into our family? Provide, preside, and protect. And what does Jen do so well? She nurtures. 
And now the second, the third one, I am part of a third family with a father and a mother who are doing what? Presiding, providing, and protecting, and nurturing. All three of those need to be happening simultaneously in my life. I need to be connected to heavenly parents. I need to understand that my connection to you is what connection? A family connection. That we are connected as a family. I need to treat you as his children. Secondly, I'm going to focus on my earthly family. And thirdly, I'm going to focus on the third family and be part of their covenant. Jesus and his church are doing everything in their power to give birth to me. And that's my family. Of that family, I testify. I invite you, those of you who have not read the proclamation on your own, for this class. This week, as you read the proclamation, read it three times, and each time, view it in light of that family. Read it once, where Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother are the parents. Read it, where earthly men and earthly women are the parents. And then read it, where Jesus and the church are the parents, and I am the child. It will be a fascinating read for you. I bear you my testimony. No matter how broken this family is, you belong to those parents and those parents. And that family is central to everything that we do. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.